Welcome to the Vocational Education Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Dan. Our guest is a business leader with a passion for quality in training and education. As founder of the Australian Institute of Professional Facilitators, she built a reputation as a leader in the development of trainers, facilitators, and of course, learning professionals. This led to the 2010 founding of the Institute for Learning Professionals. She is CEO and Chief Inspiration Officer of ILP. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie Brock. Thanks, Dan. Now, I've given our listeners a small taste of your background, but I'd love you to expand upon that and tell everybody your history and, and how you arrived at this point. All right. I'll probably start back when my career with um, in learning and development, because it basically did start about 30 years ago, um, probably a little bit longer, but that's all I'm going to admit to. Um, it was basically when I did my first learning and development program at 21 that I went, wow, that's what I want to be. So following that program, they actually invited me to join their training team and started off with cashier training through to, um, by the time I left Metway Bank, I was in charge of all of their branch training um, from New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. From there, I went to the Australian Institute of Management as their education manager. And I guess that's where um, my inspiration or my um, dream of opening up an organisation that would support learning and development professionals as well as um, connect them. Because what I found was um, a lot of trainers was sort of thought that they were doing really well, um, and a lot of them were, but they were just reading their happy sheets, which really, you know, just doesn't give them a true indication of how well they're doing. So my idea was just to continue that journey, not just stopping at the certificate for training and assessment, which is a good base, but how to really engage learners, how to to um, to you know help with the application back to the workplace. So and from there, I've had a few national L and D roles, but sort of behind the scenes, this sort of idea of the institute's been percolating, and, and finally got to sort of launch it about eight years ago. So. Mm. Yeah, so that's basically in a nutshell. There are lots more to, to add, but yeah. No, but that, that feeds into the idea for our listeners about the difference between being a leader by position mm-hmm. or a leader by behaviours. And from what you've just discussed with me then, you noticed something and you wanted to become a leader by saying, oh, by, by spotting that there's something that needs changing mm-hmm. um, and, and then taking the leadership step mm-hmm. and saying, I'm going to change it. Mm-hmm. So... In your opinion, what is the difference between saying having a position of leadership and, and mm-hmm. those behaviours? Well, I think leadership, a lot of people see it as power or a role. To me, it's always been about influence and it depends on the situation or the people that you're dealing with because sometimes you don't even need to take the lead. You know, leadership is giving that leadership to somebody else who's going to be better in that particular situation. So it's about being the role model, walking the talk and influencing people and guiding them to the, you know, the goal that you want to achieve. Over your time, um, how did you spot leadership characteristics in others, so people who've worked for you in the past? Um, basically, observing them. It's sort of it's really interesting sitting back and observing things that people do well and things that they don't do well, and you know, people who will talk about collaborating and they'll do everything um, that looks like collaboration, but then they'll make the decision um, which was against everything that people said. So. For me, it's sort of just observing people that are good role models, people that um, are good with communication. Mm-hmm. To me, it's, it's really important that, you know, when you motivate your staff, that they know their contribution, how it fits into the big picture. 
uh, and then sort of and the the celebrations and the you know the recognition when they do do a good job and also the constructive feedback so they know exactly what you're expecting from them so that when um, there is a deficiency or they go above beyond you can have that easy conversation with them to say hey didn't quite get to what I was expecting this is what we discussed this is what we need to do going forward so I'm a true believer on always drawing the line in the sand and sort of reflecting on what has happened but then saying to the staff member well, what are we going to do differently or what are you going to do differently to get yourself back up on that um, track. So can you think of a time then when there was a, like a story if you like really tell our listeners uh, get them in there get them into that time in your life somewhere where you actually spotted the leadership characteristics of somebody you said oh that person whatever their name is, and you can keep it quiet if you like, or if you love them to death, you might want to say their name. But, you know, just, just tell us that story. Just maybe go back in time and think, OK, well, this person, um, I, I think, really stood out for these reasons, and this is what I did about it. The, there's probably two that have been having major impact on my career. The first one was a lady by the name of Pat McCormack, who was in charge of HR for Metway Bank. Pat always had that... Um, the presence, but also, you know, you could go and talk to her and she would weigh it all up and would give you two sides of the story. So I always appreciated that because I have worked with other managers who listen to one side of the story and will react to that as opposed to getting the full picture. So that's one thing I really admired about Pat. And also she was one of the, one of the pioneer women, I guess, in corporate to really sort of um, move forward and, and sort of virtually from when I started sort of, you know, guided me through my career. And um, so I always you know, appreciated that sort of support. Probably the second person I admire in my career, Tony Schiffman. Um, he is the managing partner for a large accountancy firm. So a lot of strong personalities, a lot of um, um, egos, but he's always maintained um, his grounding. He's also, you know, and he explains things and he takes the time to find out what's going on. So always approachable, always listening. Um, so just know, and I know how busy he is, he travels the world and stuff like that, but if he knew it was important to you, he would make time. And he also walked around, you know, the, um, the company was spread over five floors. He would take the time to, at least once a week, to wander around if he's in Australia, just to sort of connect with people. So with, with Pat, the standout, uh, I guess, feature of her leadership was that she was uh, a listener. Yeah. Um, and, and with Tony, it was he was a role model or, or more? What, what would you say Tony's was? What Tony's was, was more... Feature? He's... Like, it was a very intense organi sort of organisation, but he didn't get caught up with all of that. He just had his style, which was, you know, approachable and took the time to listen to people. Okay. So, you know, and, and tried to get to know everybody by name and, and what was happening. So he was sort of that face of that organisation. Is there also a story? So th these are people that you've spotted in the past with leadership qualities in a leadership position already. Mm -hmm. But is there someone that you can perhaps share with our listeners that wasn't in a leadership position but demonstrated some traits like those, like maybe they were a very good listener or they were a very good participant or, or something like that, uh, and you had the chance to you know, spot them and say, oh, you would do really well here. And, mm. and even if you, you couldn't uh, employ them yourself or, or, mm -hmm. or raise them up within your own organisation, maybe you recommended them to somebody else. Can you think of a story about that? Um, the one that comes to mind is, is probably one of my team members who came on as a volunteer um, and certainly then started to see what her strengths 
and um, her areas that she could add value to. Um, and it ended in um, ended up last year for the conference. She had to sort of step in, and one of her key things was to to pull me out of that role of looking after everything to actually taking control and, and stepping up. So I sort of saw in her that she had a lot of very good organisational skills. Um, she's very um, detailed, and that's the sort of person I need to fit into that role. So speaking with her and making sure that she was comfortable with that and that I assured her about my confidence with her being able to do that. Um, we talked about what it would entail, what it would mean, what the um, expectations were. She took it on and did an amazing job. So, And she's now sort of stepped up. She sort of no longer volunteers here, but she's virtually, virtually um, has taken on a coaching role to the rest of my staff. Okay. So. Do you, do you get any personal – well, hopefully you do – but do you get any personal satisfaction from, from spotting those characteristics and, and helping someone like that achieve more? Absolutely. And I think that's basically why, you know, I've been attracted to learning and development because I love seeing the light bulbs going off. Mm. I like um, supporting people to know that they can take that little step and go further. I've recently been coaching somebody who didn't think she'd have a hope of going for a particular role. So we did, like, the fishbone model. What are the things that would help you? What are some things that will hinder you? Um, and work through each of those ones. And I got a call two days ago to say that when she approached two senior people to say she was applying for the job, they said, look, we hadn't thought about it, but you know what? Here's the here's the um, the form. You know, we encourage you to, to apply for it. Isn't so that great? Yeah. She was sort of surprised, and that was something she wouldn't do, but it's just recognising she's going above and beyond um, what she's doing in her current role very collaborative, very future-focused, and um, I just sort of there's a lot of potential. So without that little bit of encouragement, and that's what I hope with my staff is that you know I can continually encourage them and give them that little bit of challenge so that they're you know they enjoy the role. It's not just coming in and doing the same thing. We're sort of lucky here at the institute because there's so many different initiatives happening that um, you know they do get a lot of variety in their roles. Mm. Um, a lot of the times. True leaders are, are put under the most pressure when things are going wrong, mm -hmm. and their true characteristics start showing. Now, in, in leadership theory, that might you might end up with a very charismatic leader who will mm -hmm. just, you know, gloss over a lot of things but make everybody feel how, uh, good even mm -hmm. at a, a bad time. Or you might get that transformational leader who will mm -hmm. go in there and really pull things apart and, and change the organisation for the better during that time, and all the other theories that go along with it. Can you think of a time when? Potentially, you were faced with a bit of a crisis, mm -hmm. and you just had to take that leadership. And, and did maybe tell the story of that and how you got through it, because the people listening to this, they might be in leadership positions, they might be aspiring to be leadership mm -hmm. uh, leaders, um, but they they will relate more to a story like that mm -hmm. than potentially just some theory about how mm -hmm. leadership should ha take place. I think it's sort of um, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of initiatives here, so there are a lot of deadlines. So I do find if we have some major ones like um, launching our new website, or if there's a large event like the conference, I'll find that there's inevitably things won't go to exactly how you planned. So um, occasionally I do go into task mode, um, where I sort of get into a very directive. Yeah. Um, but when, when did that? Sorry, but, but, but when did that happen? Was that maybe at the conference, for instance? Probably. Or, yeah. yeah. Last year at the conference, sort of, you know, because you, you sit back and I sort of usually take a helicopter approach and sort of see what's happening. So rather than sort of leaving it to the team, you know, I was coming in and going, okay, this needs to happen, da da da, da and firing away. Um, 
but I have learnt when I've done that, I call it and say, look, I know I'm being very directive and, I, and you know that's not normally me. Um, however, these are the reasons why I'm doing it. So it's sort of virtually... Um, and, and they're fine with that because they know that's not my normal character. They can understand where I'm coming from. Um, but, you know, I normally would apologise for being in that director, director's mode. But it's, um, you know, and it's only at time. It's, it's sort of like if, you know, the place is on fire and you go, OK, everybody, um, let's just um, have a discussion about, you know, how we might leave the bu building and, and um, who's going to go first, as opposed, you know, the building's on fire... You know, get out. <laughs> get, out. get out. So, you know, I do tend to do that. And, and you know, and I, it will happen, you know, when there are, you know, when deadlines are tight and, and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, so it's normally around about the conference or major events or, you know, we've got our website due now. So it's sort of like, okay, you know, having regular checks with the, with the staff saying, well, you know, what have you got on? Have you got enough time? Do we need more resources and things like that? So. Mm. Yeah. Um, the word collaborative comes up a lot lately in, in, mm -hmm. in leadership and um, most recently I read a, a, an article or a, a written part of a book within an article it's just hard <laughs> to describe but anyway and talked about collaboration uh, and that most organisations or organisations in general are the last bastion of autocracies because we still have a head mm -hmm. and that head um, still rules a roost and, and it might seem very collaborative until as you said, times mm. get tough and the tasks mm. start coming down mm. because we have to hit the particular goals. Mm -hmm. Maybe talk to that a little bit. I mean, my feeling is that potentially that could be the fact that the, the people who are following the leader, because mm -hmm. it has to be followers in order for there to be a leader, um, potentially don't understand to the same level mm -hmm. the overarching goals that the leader is trying to achieve. Or mm -hmm. if they do, they misunderstand them. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Um, probably sort of come at that at a different sort of angle because um, being an institute and we've got sort of roughly about 1,500 members, people will come constantly with ideas and that's what I invite them and I encourage them and I really like that. Then the next step is they're going, well, when are you going to introduce it? And I've gone, well, I need to really process it either, you know, have a chat to the board about it, not... And that's more of that collaboration because there are things happening in the past when we had small numbers of members. I've gone, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Mm. Now it's like, hang on a minute. Where does it fit into our overall goal? Where does it fit with some of the other initiatives that we have? Can any other initiatives leverage off that idea? Mm. So it's sort of... Um, so, yes, yeah, so we collaborate with our members. We then also collaborate with our, our board. board yeah. so, so that we can sort of come out... What, and the primary aim is, you know, what we're here for is our members. So what is going to have the best effect on our members? Mm. So, Well, now that's perfect because whilst, listeners, this isn't uh, an entrepreneurship podcast, <laughs> it's more about leadership, we find that with entrepreneurs especially, they know the direction they're going mm. and they'll often um, not be able to communicate that very mm. clearly uh, to a lot of the people who are trying to follow them. Whereas the position you've taken is more, OK, as we've grown, we've had to shift and, and go mm. from um, maybe that um, straight discussive or, or mm. immediately collaborative relationship to a more a thoughtful process. Mm. Uh, and actually for any business leader or business owner or, or senior manager, that's a mm. great lesson to learn because, to be honest with you, if you couldn't do that, mm. if you couldn't do that as your business grow, uh, grew, then you'd be making the wrong decisions because mm. you'd be basing them on the feelings you had when you first started the business, mm. which, yeah, might be to please everybody. Yeah, and, like, I've, you know, my philosophy when I first started the Institute is, like, let's try everything. Some will work, some won't. If they don't work, we throw them out. If they do work, it's sort of what else can we do that will help? So, exactly. 
but now we've sort of got to that stage, it's not as easy to do the, you know, I think that's a great idea, let's try it. We do do it to some extent, mm. and sometimes I'll just make the decision, yes, I love that idea, we'll run with it. Um, but what I'm trying to do now is, is, you know, is just get that little bit more disciplined and, and weigh the pros and cons, but also find by sharing it with other people, and, and, you know, we talked about collaboration, is I might have this idea that's fairly small, which I think is great, but just by sharing it and discussing it, that we end up with this wonderful idea that you know, mm. with concepts I hadn't even thought about. So that's why. Yeah, so there's still room, isn't there? Yeah. So I always surround myself with people that have opposing views, bring in different strengths. So we don't have a board that's all things like me, because then you get the group thing. So it's mm. more like who's going to challenge it, who's you know, and it's sort of like I guess, you know, wearing different hats. So yeah, so that we do weigh up all the different options and 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 come up with a you know a better idea. Yeah, oh, fantastic. And probably to expand upon what I was mentioning before, because I think I, I missed the point a little bit, but what you just said reiterated the fact that it's not so much that you're ignoring all these ideas that are coming in, mm. but you're evaluating them more closely to with what the organisation's mm. needs are. Mm. And that's that's Management 101, that's fantastic. And it's, yeah. it's really good to hear, because otherwise, yeah, it can go out the window. Yeah, and it's sort of interesting, because, you know, I started with a vision and had no idea over eight years, you know, I surpassed that vision, but it's sort of, it's evolved. It's just, it's sort of like a growing being, the Institute. Yeah. So, you know, there's always room for growth and it's just, it's, it's been exciting to sort of see that. So, yeah, so if I'd stopped at that vision and said that's all, but allowing all these other things to come in and create... Mm. Um, what we've got now has just been amazing. So excellent. Mm. Yeah, well, this, and, and that's one of the joys of being in a leadership position in an organisation that's yours. Mm. You can see your baby growing and then outdoing you. Yes, <laughs> you yes. Know? So it's sort of, you get proud of your baby. You, you, you do, you do. How have the lessons you learned over your life prepared you for some of the current challenges that you have faced? I think the lessons have really helped me to like deal with issues quickly. Because I think if you take the easy option, they'll become harder to deal with later down the track. So I find my wherever now, if there's an issue that comes up, that I'll try and deal with it straight away, you know, and, and call the people in and, and just identify it. You know, I've seen this or I've heard this or I've observed this. So, you know. And what's one of the story? What's one of the things that actually made that happen? Because if... If you have discovered that dealing with things quickly mm. is something you've learned, then when did you learn it? Can you go back to that point? Um, probably the, the last thing I can um, remember is that we're currently doing our website. Yeah. One of my team members made a decision on how a particular membership will be structured, which was completely different. So um, there was no collaboration. She And to her credit, she was trying to do something to save me or do it. Um, so when I discovered that, I went, no, 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 that won't work. So immediately called the team in and just sort of said, let's, we're going to work through the process because I'm not saying that it works well now. Mm. Um, and now's our opportunity to see if we can make a better process because it's for a group membership. So, um, so putting our group members hats on, what it, and we just brainstormed. Okay. So whereas the other one sort of jumped into a solution mode to help whereas that wasn't sort of the correct way of doing it. So that's why I've sort of dealt with it easily because I could have let it go on and thought, OK, well, she's using initiative, she's implementing a new um, process, but so I sat back and sort of, no, it wasn't wasn't right. So I thought, yeah, no, I've, I've, got, I've got to call it straight away and put a halt to it and then make her feel included to sort of say, look, you know, here's one option, this is what we currently do, let's brainstorm some more ideas. So it sort of protected her, you know, 
sort of um, worth, yeah. as well as sort of got the others involved, and we came up with a much better solution. So, oh, and also it's challenging. Like I kind of get, oh, that won't work. So my philosophy was, how could we make it work, or how can we, you know, get over that bridge and and, and um, come out with another solution? So, as I said, it's all solution focused, and it's sort of like I'm happy to throw out what we've done in the past as long as it's moving forward and, and um, works better. And involving her in that solution process, obviously, from a leadership perspective, is fantastic because it gets mm. the buy-in for whatever decision's made, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's sort of, it's, it's acknowledging um, that, you know, she's come up with one idea, but there are other ideas, so it's not like she's come up with this, you know, Radical. horrible idea yeah. or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but it's sort of like, you know, well, we've got two options currently on the table, so there's current what we have, there's the proposed new idea, but I believe that there may be a better solution, so... Um, let's just brainstorm that. So, yeah. yeah, it worked really well. If you could go back to, um, I was going to say back to school, but let's <laughs> say you're just finishing school, 17, 18-year-old Kerry, and you had some advice for her about how to lead in this world, what would you tell her? Probably what I'd say to myself personally would be to trust your instinct. Um, and I'm still learning to deal with that. So mm. it's sort of your gut feel can be very powerful. Um, you know, don't judge people. Sort of like try and find as much... Because your first perception can be quite empowering or powerful. So for me, it is trust your instinct. But um, you've probably heard of the, the imposter syndrome and, and mm. things like that. And I'm sort of coaching people and I've listened to successful women hear it. And it's, it is such a thing that, you know, I keep thinking someone's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, what are you doing here? Yeah, you deserve um, all this. Yeah, yeah, but it's sort of like accepting it and knowing uh, and reflecting on you have made a valuable contribution, you've achieved a lot, um, there's still a lot to be achieved and lots more that I, I want to do, but it really would be that confidence in myself and that ability because um, I did a conference on the weekend um, from stress to strength, which was really good, and they were saying we wear hats, and one of the hats I think I've been wearing is a nice Nancy, so mm. I believe that you have to be nice to everybody. No, you don't have to be nice to everybody. Um, there are times, you know, you want people to like you, but there are times where you do need to make those tough decisions, but mm. you make them for the right reasons, and you make them because you've got that goal in mind um, that you're working towards as well. So, yeah, so trust my insects and be more positive, talk to myself and, and yeah, be nicer to myself. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, this yeah. is great advice. Honestly, we are very, very hard on ourselves. And that yeah. imposter syndrome, if you haven't heard that, listeners, is simply a, uh, the disbelief in yourself. You don't, you think you're an imposter in your own skin because, unfortunately, you don't deserve the, the sort of success that you're having. And it's, um, it, it's just an insecurity. Uh, mm. And we all have it. Mm. I think we all, unless we're psychopathic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you're a psychopathic listener, I... I apologise, because <laughs> you won't get that anyway. But um, yeah, for the rest of us, uh, yeah, it's a very hard thing to get over. Um, mm. So if that was you when you were 17, 18, and you've gone back and taught that person, let's say a 17 or 18-year-old walks through your door now, mm -hmm. what could you tell them about leadership? What, what, what more advice? Or, or maybe if it's the same advice, how would they go about improving their confidence? Or how would they go about being more, or ha have a higher self-esteem um, with regards to their own abilities? I think it's like reflecting um, constantly, like it's having a look at, because um, I think we tend to be critical of what we don't do well, we don't focus on what we do do well, mm. so to me it's going, getting back to, you know, you know, what do I do well, how can I lever those strengths, leverage those um, strengths, and then where are the areas that I'm being critical about myself that I need to improve? And quite often people don't take that step and do anything about it. So mm. to me, I always sort of like to write that down or just mentally go through my head and go, OK, well, there's an area I need to work on. 
what do I need to do about it? So it's sort of like, just take that action. You know, and even, even if you work out one goal a week or one goal a day just to move forward and get over that, you know, don't avoid the areas that you don't believe you're good in, like public speaking. A lot mm. of people avoid that. It's a skill. The more you do it, the better you get at it. But mm. we tend to avoid things or, and then we'll never be good at it. So my advice is very early, work out the areas that you are really good at, work out the areas that you're not so good at, make that your attention to develop those areas, but also leverage off those other ones. So, yeah. Do you think that that young person, and as they do that and as they grow, um, do you think everyone, them or anyone, has the ability to be a leader? Or is it something that maybe some just aren't able to do? I think it's something that you want, you'd have to want to be. I've seen people who didn't believe that they could be a leader and then they've had a leader that has encouraged them or given them some feedback and I've just seen them blossomed. Mm. So I believe anybody can be a leader but I believe everybody has to have the mindset that they can do it. So, yeah. I actually really agree with that, that want to do it. Yeah. Whether they think they can or not, yeah. <laughs> they want to do it. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I've got some really intelligent friends, you know, personal friends, not in the, um, the industry that I'm in, who I would say are very, very smart, but are happy doing a job that they can go to every day, just do it and go home. Mm. No inspiration whatsoever. And it took me years to get over that. And I suddenly thought, no, it's their life, it's their path, their choice. So, um, but for those, you know... I do believe if you have that will and you want to, you can be. So, mm. yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, Kerry, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. And I hope that listeners identified with some of the things you said because that's what the show's all about. We, we interview wonderful people like yourself to find out uh, whether or not um, someone out there says, oh, I'm like that mm. or I want to be like that, yeah. even more importantly. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for your time today and uh, we'll see you somewhere around the leadership world. Sounds good. Thank you again for listening to the Vocational Education Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe by going to Apple Podcasts and searching for VE Podcast and subscribing. Or you can go to SoundCloud or you can go via our website, which is www.spectraining.edu.au and just click on Podcasts. Talk to you soon.